Tomato Tomato Podcast. It's a podcast about movies and how they're reviewed, and sometimes just electrocuting yourself for funsies. I'm Jenna, one of your usual co-hosts. Joining me is... Chris, the other usual co-host of this thing. This thing that has now reached 50 episodes. 50 episodes. If you've been here since episode one, hi, Rachel and Russ. (laughs) If... Uh, if you're just now joining us if you're a fan of the first movie we talked about you've probably been highly anticipating this one because we we've put this off for a while for various reasons we we knew we wanted to cover this movie at some point in time and we figured that it would make the most sense to like make a whole big thing around it if as some sort of event just to tie back to like our very first episode yeah and so it kind of worked out perfectly to do this one. That's why this episode's a little late, because we, like, needed the time to properly, like, sit and process this. Because yes, because you've already seen it. I have not. Yeah, but I also saw it five or six years ago as a double feature with Crank 1 at oh, 9 so this in the is, morning. We're talking about Crank 2. Yeah, if, if you, you don't, don't read, read episode titles. If you don't read episode titles, we're talking about Crank 2 High Voltage. But I watched this movie five or six years ago in a double feature with Crank 1 where I watched them both in one sitting at 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning. So I did not have the best... Like, there were bits and pieces of this movie that I very clearly remembered, and then there were other things I was basically, like, discovering for the first time. Because mm-hmm. when you watch these as a double feature, there are things that, like, blur together, where it's like, did that happen in one or two? Like, I don't fucking know. Yeah, I mean, I, I we had watched Crank 1... Uh, a couple days before we watched Crank 2, just, just kind of just to have I it fresh knew, in our minds. I knew that for your case and for my own, that it would make more sense to like have have Crank 1 be relatively fresh because there there's a surprising amount of growth from Crank 1 to Crank 2. Like, just the, over the course of those two movies, where things go is so fucking ridiculous yes. that like you need to you have need an to have understanding of like where things started yeah. out. Because otherwise it doesn't, you can't really fully appreciate how buck wild things go in two if mm-hmm. you don't have a remembering, like, how it went in one. Yes. Yeah, it's, I, like, we'll get into it when we talk about the reviews. These movies are absolutely ridiculous, and they, like, I have this weird fondness for them because I think they are very well made. I think they're made with a lot of both thought and, like, no thought at the same time. There's so much that goes into these movies in a way that, like, stuff in the action genre as a whole doesn't really interest me. But the way that these movies are made and the way that this buckwild stuff comes together... It's so insane that there's a lot of irony and self-awareness. Exactly. Like, it's done as, like, this gonzo, like, pastiche kind of thing. Whereas, like, there's so many other action movies from both... The, the year that Crank came out and then 2009 when High Voltage came out that, that are they're, just... They're played straight with no sense of irony that were super n- macho, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and playing into all this, the tropes. These movies kind of 
yes, they play into all of the tropes that exist in that with, genre. But it's also with a wink and a nod. It's absolutely, like, just kind of parodying and acknowledging how ridiculous this is by turning it up not to, like, 11, but to, like, fucking 20. Yeah. Like, and it's just kind of fascinating to me. Like, you could do a whole thing about, like, masculinity in these movies and how it's presented in this way that does kind of lampoon, like, every other entry in the genre. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it's... On paper, if you to- if you told me that these movies existed, but not with like the Buckwild crazy stylistic choices and plot choices around it, I would be like, eh, I'll watch that eventually. Yeah. But like, there's something to the approach that Neville Dean and Taylor take that is really kind of fascinating. And it's only a take that Neville Dean and Taylor can take. They have such a distinct spe- style. They- a distinct style that no one else could replicate and like there are so many small style choices and narrative choices that they take Mm -hmm. that it's insane but also it's like yeah this tracks for them it's on brand it's very on brand and it's like it's it's good it's nice to see that their brand still continues i've only seen like the first or second episode of happy but it does feel like the spiritual successor to crank in like how they handle action sequences and how they handle like the buck wild craziness so it's just fun to see I'm weirdly fond of, like, the Neville Dean and Taylor brand because Mm -hmm. they're very good at doing what they're doing. And like you said, like, injecting all of this thought into it and all of this ridiculousness It's a a movie where you would think, oh, there's not a lot of thought into it, but there is. There is, and the but but even then, like what might result from it might be absolutely ridiculous. Like there's this one bit that I remember hearing from them on an interview where they basically said in this movie, all of the like Asian gangsters are all speaking different languages. They basically hired people and they said like, speak your native language. If it doesn't match, it doesn't matter because we're still going to subtitle you with whatever we want the dialogue to mm. be anyway. And like. That is such a ridiculous, like, it, it It both comes across as, like, we put a lot of thought into this and we put no thought into this, yeah. but in a way that's, like, simultaneously genius. Mm-hmm. Like, it's such a funny lampoon of, like, a weird, of, like, the choice that more serious oh, totally. movies make of, like, we're not going to handle, like, the Asian gangsters in a nuanced way at all. Whereas this, like, doesn't, but it still, like, winks and nods about the fact that they're not. Yeah. Kind of. And it's it's just like the the whole crank to high voltage is chock full of choices like that (laughs) yeah and they work they make like a weirdly fun ride to watch and it's honestly like just it's just fun it's fucking fun it is And so looking at the tomato meter, granted, this is from 2009. So this is like the early days of Rotten Tomatoes there. As I was trying to go through and find reviews, there's only like half of them that still link to the full reviews. And the rest are just like little bites that don't link to anywhere because they probably took the review off their website. Far page not found. Yeah, it's it's exactly what we found with the first movie where it's just like, yeah, these reviews don't exist. Mm -hmm. Like if we had to purge data from our website, we were going to purge our crank (laughs) reviews. But so the tomato meter for this movie is at 64%. The average rating is 5.9 out of 10. There are 69 reviews counted. Nice. As I tweeted last night, that is the exactly the number I would hope that this movie would have. Um, 44 reviews are fresh and 25 reviews are rotten. The critic consensus is Crank High Voltage delivers on its promises a fast-paced, exciting thrill ride that doesn't take itself too seriously. I'd be curious to see, like, to poll the original reviewers to see if they had seen the first Crank 
what their opinions were on it. I'm and if, sure that and if, if they I'm sure got that if it, someone was reviewing this, they at least put in the effort to see. Like I hope that none think, of the reviewers went in completely think, blind. Are, I feel like it is a common thing in the reviewer world that they're tasked with reviewing things that they have no familiarity with. I mean, we've had reviewers going back to another past episode of like, oh, you want me to see all the past MCU movies? Okay, but that's to a, get that's, Infinity War. That's a completely I know, different. I know, but still, it's like if you're seeing like the sequel of a movie, mm-hmm. it, at least read the Wikipedia page. That's for what I it. mean. I think that everyone who reviewed this movie most likely <clears throat> had some sort of familiarity, even just like <clears throat> watching clips on YouTube or watching like because you could watch Crank One in less than an hour and a yeah. half. Like it is a very quick watch. Yeah, I mean. It, but, yeah, it's because this movie has surprisingly has a lot of callbacks and continues plot threads from the first one. That yes. if you haven't seen it and you're just going into Crank Two, you it's don't go- appreciate them. Yeah, that's what I. You that's do- why we we rewatched the first one beforehand. But I'm because, saying from yeah. like a, a, a oh, reviewer standpoint, yeah, like did they take the time to and did that well, affect? Yeah, how we have they- no idea, honestly. But yeah, and then like the audience score is forty nine percent. An average rating of three point two out of five, with almost a quarter of over a quarter of a million user ratings. That's a shit ton of user ratings. But that's what happens when a movie is like a movie's page is on here for almost a decade now. Mm-hmm. And it's it has I don't want to say a low audience score. It's it, I I'm sure that there were people who were like, oh, that Jason Statham fellow. I like his other movies. This is on video on demand. I will watch it or I will rent it from when Netflix sent me DVDs. And then they were completely confused and turned off by it. Because I wholly... They're probably used to the new Statham that does the Transporter movies and Spy. Yeah, well, and I I wholly, like understand that these movies are not for everybody i'm sure there were people that i'm sure there were just general audience members who went in blind and were like buh mm-hmm. but even then like the audience score is about what i would respect like what i would expect for that yeah just looking at like just how many weird places this movie goes yeah it's it's one of those cases where mm, it's kind of fresh it's yeah. just barely fresh where most critics got it yeah and audiences are like no thanks at least the ones who log yeah. on to rent to me the audiences are 50 50 which is fine let me look at like the the audience score for the first crank just to see if there's any sort of difference there mm-hmm. because it is i do think it is like it, the accessibility factor and just whether or not so the audience score for the first one is 71 percent with almost half a million re- user ratings so I, it's 30% higher. Yeah. That is kind of crazy to me. I, I don't know if, if they were expecting something else or is like this is more the same. I or... don't know. We don't, we'll never yeah. know. I don't like it's just it is kind of fascinating that there's that much of a discrepancy for it. Because, yeah, like even the audience review section of this page, like there's a lot of really positive ones from super reviewers. That's a whole untapped well we haven't really yeah. gotten into. But yeah, it like the the audience response and the critical response from this movie is about what I would expect. But even then, there are some negative reviews that like completely miss the point, and it's really oh, kind totally. of fascinating. So. Speaking of reviews... If you're new to this podcast and you need an introduction to our format, 
what we do is we look at the piece of content that we're going to talk about and we go to their Rotten Tomatoes page and we find two reviews that are classified as whatever our opinion isn't. So like we like Crank 2, so we're looking at two rotten negative reviews. And then we look for one review that does fit what our opinion is. So we have one fresh review and two rotten. Yes. And the first review that we're covering comes from thestar.com. A review from Jason Anderson. Oh, I wanted to do <clears throat> the star in the middle. Oh, all right then. Then never mind. Ignore me. <laughs> I could just edit that in. The second, the review yeah. is this from the star. Well, no, I'm just trying to double check because yeah, New York Times is right. Uh, yeah, we're doing New York Times. Yeah. New so York Times just to keep a little bit of a pattern. From Jeanette Katsolis. From April 17, 2009. I do appreciate that the New York Times still has this on here. They seem Me to, like, too. never purge their archives. No. So Bless I'm like, thank you. The he, review is titled, He may lack a ticker, but he's still a time bomb. <sighs> yeah. Um, it has taken only three years for Chev Chelios to end his long fall from a helicopter at the end of Crank. Waiting for him on a busy blah, 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 blah. That's why, like, it is fascinating to me, as someone who has only seen these movies back to back, I wonder what it was like being a fan of the first one and then waiting for the sequel. Yeah. Because it's like, like, how... We, we talk about, like, how people get their own preconceived notions now with movies in, like, the span of time for waiting yeah. for a sequel. Like, how the fuck... Like, where does your brain go yeah. with Chev Chelios in those three years? Yeah. <laughs> or do you just surrender and be like, I know that they're going to figure it out, so I'm just going to enjoy the ride? Because, yeah. like, they have some reason for him to somehow survive fucking falling out of a helicopter. Like its predecessor, Crank High Voltage, the latest abomination from Mark Neveldine and Brian Taylor is boorish, bigotive, and borderline pornographic. <laughs> and as Chev charges uh, around town searching for a stolen organ, juicing himself with jumper cables, a taser, and a bout of old lady footage, <laughs> the plot vigorously abuses Mexicans, Asians, women, and the disabled with uh, equal opportunity glee. Which, see, like, there were moments where I was watching this movie where I was like, this movie could not be... Re like, I don't know, this movie couldn't get a wide release and be taken at, at face value mm -hmm. today because there are so many things that don't, like, that don't hold up and no. that don't feel, like, not to be, like, PC police and all, but there are some things that don't hold up as well today. No. But even then, I feel like more often than not, the vast majority of what's in this movie, it, like we said, it's presented with this kind of parody. It's, yeah, it's, it's lampooning parody, it's every sense of irony. Yeah, it, it has this irony that, like, about the way that the action, like, the big macho action genre does misuse all of these different groups of people. Because it's all so over the top that yeah. you, it has to be lampooning. There's no way it's serious. Yeah, it's. Like, I mean, the first one ends with fucking Chev falling out of a helicopter from thousands and thousands of feet and landing. And then seconds later, he's picked up and lives yeah. and gets a new heart. And like, it's like the, there's so many things in this movie that are absolutely like that. I forgot just the little details they make of just fully making it ridiculous. Like the news reports where the guy's like. 
someone like so, there are reports of another body falling in this part of the town but mm-hmm. we're just taking it as the bullshit it probably is so yeah. it's just this kind of like the whole world of crank is not a real world it's just this completely ridiculous it feels very reminiscent of like how sorry to bother you kind of like lampoons yeah. media culture and the world building and all of that stuff of just like utter ridiculousness that then still has something to say like it still is critiquing the thing that yes. is kind of parodying at the same time. Yeah, because there are a lot of the. It's funny because Statham does a lot of those action movies that are serious that he's lampooning. Yeah, like that don't have any really sense of irony to them. I I just think about that one online quiz that's like which movie or which movie <laughs> is this photo of Jason Statham holding a gun from? Yeah, and it's like if you can I guess five out of the twenty of these, then you're a Jason Statham super fan. Yep. I literally only guessed the crank ones. Everything <laughs> else, I was like, fuck that. But yeah, it like uh, fans of the original and you are out there will be thrilled <laughs> to discover that the director of photography, Brendan Troust, uh, Trost, seems confused about the meaning of the term private parts and that the filmmakers are still <laughs> resisting maturity. Isn't everybody looking for their heart? Mr. Neveldine asked in the press notes on this evidence. It seems unlikely. <sighs> OK, this just that whole <clears throat> that whole last paragraph feels very like pearl clutching. Of just like mm-hmm. there's there's so much nudity and the the directors don't know how to grow up and meh. and it's like yes but also like I said it's all for the sake of commentary in one way or another and it's taking everything up even more whereas there's so many other generic white guy directors who don't grow up and just keep telling these weird stories that are just kind of generic and offensive yeah and they're not really having anything to say these movies have something to say uh, amidst all of the chaos yeah you you can't just take it at face value and we're not saying this is fucking citizen kane or no, anything but i'm it's just saying like, that like of the genre yeah this under this has a weird sense of understanding of like how the big macho movie action genre works and it is it's very much of the times because like i was it telling is. you as we were watching it it's like this feels like grand theft auto like it, it there's is so many that like it's such a mid-2000s thing to both mm. lampoon like the macho action movies and grand theft auto and that kind of like mm. Voy- I don't know. Well, look at the other movies that were coming out at this time. At this point, we had two installments of the Cornetto trilogy. Yeah. Two movies that are also in that same vein of taking a genre. Yeah. Parroting it, but still kind of having reverence for the genre that it is yeah taking from it's it's done in this way that like compared to all the fucking other like garbage parody movies like epic movie and superhero movie and all yeah. of that stuff where it's just like where there's no fondness. those are low effort yeah it's so low effort and there's no fondness for yeah. what they're talking about they're just <clears throat> like they're punching down yeah this it, is punching on the same level mm-hmm. and it's doing it's, so in like a clever because way. it's like it still delivers good entertaining action yeah while still parodying the action tropes and it's just utterly ridiculous. Like, I forgot some of the action in this movie where it's just like, oh, like, the the scene in the strip club where, like, the stripper gets shot and her fake tits, like, explode. Yeah. Like, that is, that's, it's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous that it's, like, genuinely yeah. hilarious. 
like, no other action movie could pull that off. You wouldn't, you wouldn't see that in, I don't know, The Expendables yeah, or something. Exactly. But I think it is, it is also like this. These movies are very good at embracing their R rating and just kind of like yeah. fucking going for it. They take full advantage of the like R-rating. it's as far as the R rating can go without being NC seventeen. I feel like this almost, in a way, does like Deadpool <laughs> better than Deadpool. Thank you, thank you. Like I would love to see <laughs> Neville Dean and Taylor's. Deadpool movie. But see, they've gone on the record recently and basically said, like, the way that modern Marvel movies basically do things. And they kind of looped, like, Deadpool into it. They were like, they're kind of tame. Like, they're not really... Because even just look at their fucking Ghost Rider movies, which yeah. I still need to revisit because I've... I, like, I watched them before I had an understanding of who Neville yeah. Dean and Taylor were. But you can see that kind of gonzo ridiculousness on a pg-13 studio budget kind of level yeah but even then it is totally what you said though of like the action the like borderline ridiculous action of like oh i'm gonna give someone like an enema with a gun (laughs) like that is like a deadpool thing that's what deadpool would do (laughs) like it's it's done in such a way that you're totally right about that and we'll never see that movie. No, but it that does explain because, like, I if you want to go back and listen to our Deadpool two episode and see why I had a million different issues with Deadpool two, like it's because I guess these movies kind of illustrate that it's like you can get bigger and it can still work. Yeah, with Deadpool two, it kind of I enjoyed. Look, yeah, I enjoyed it. It has its problems. But it rested on its laurels. It went back to the same tropes. It and did the jokes same tropes, again. but while Whereas trying to expand and trying to be something more, fucking cranks up. Yeah, this this has a bigger <clears throat> scope and a bigger set of characters and a bigger everything, and it but it feels it natural that and in it doesn't feel way. yeah. Whereas Deadpool, it was like we're gonna get bigger, and then like, ha, isn't it funny that we got bigger? Yeah, like that's not really funny. If you don't know how to handle your ensemble, then I don't care. Exactly. Yeah. So now, do we want to go to the star? So off to the star. So by this Jason is our Anderson. positive review. Yeah. So crank high voltage. Nothing succeeds like trashy excess by Jason Anderson. Um, William Blake believed the road of access led to the Palace of Wisdom that's not always the case sometimes the road of access leads directly to the avenue of overkill which then merges directly into the highway of holy crap you gotta be kidding me 90 minutes later your car stalls out on the off-ramp of exhaustion you will have to wait for a tow truck (laughs) this is the route blazed by crank high voltage the deliriously excessive sequel to the best of the recent slew of action movies starring statham uh, that may seem like a faint praise given the general cruddiness of his screen efforts. <laughs> but with Crank, the directorial team of Neville Dean and Taylor created the ideal showcase for Statham by situating the stubble-headed Cockney in the most berserk circumstances possible, the ludicrous plot about a hitman who's been injected with a deadly poison that can only be counteracted by adrenaline boosts was a thin excuse to ju- justify innumerable displays of mayhem. That Neville Dean and Taylor have outdone themselves with this sequel is happy news for action fans, even if everyone else will be revolted by the movie's rampant racism, sexism, and bloodlust. We're talking strippers with machine guns, gay bike gangs, and a surreal rubber suit fight scene that would do Godzilla proud. I fucking, like, so... Okay, so I think the entirety of the movies, if if you don't get the parody and the irony of it all, when you get to the Godzilla scene, yeah. 
you don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> this movie just isn't for you. Just move on. <laughs> if you if you cannot appreciate that, then just and, watch and something else. Understand what it's trying to say. Because yeah. like I knew there was a moment where like that scene started yeah. ramping up, and I like I freaked out, and I like told you I was like, pay attention, pay attention. This is amazing, and you loved it because it's amazing. So what the scene is? There is. Uh, one-on-one fight between Jason Statham character and, and this like, other one, and the monster and... that he's been trying to chase down for the yeah. for the, like the entire movie thus far, and he finally gets him, and they're in like an electrical field, like and they... like a power station yeah. kind of thing, and then it just kind of uh, like swirl cuts to them in just imagine classic Godzilla movies with guys in rubber suits and that's it <laughs> and rubber face masks and then they're just punching each other and like throwing things at each other and like the fucking little tiny guys that are the two employees mm-hmm. of the power station yeah like it's so it's exactly what you said it's like that distills what this franchise is trying to do and like <sighs> It's just so utterly ridiculous, but it absolutely works. And now I'm thinking of another sequence with the flashback sequence of Chev Chelios' origin story. That also is absolutely ridiculous. They fucking... Over the top, and, like, it's something we didn't need. The fact that it starts out with just, like, black screen and just fuck you Chelios written in, like, a bunch of different fonts all over the screen. And then it goes to, like, him and his mom on, like... British Maury, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, it's absolutely insane. But at the same time, it also serves a purpose. It's like, it cool, we get his origin story of, like... In such a creative way that doesn't feel like an exposition dump. And it also says, like, he's... It it it, it pokes fun at exactly what I was saying by having Chev be like, yeah, like, little Chev is like, yeah, I just sit in my room and play video games all day. Yeah. Because that's exactly what these movies are. They're like so, a video game brought to life. So in the Star Review... Um, high voltage contents which are reminiscent of the most parent baiting moments of the Grand Theft Auto video game franchise. <laughs> Indeed, Neville Dean Taylor high speed anything goes aesthetic owes more to gaming than any movie press uh, precedence. Exactly. And then it says, the invulnerability of our our hero, Chev Chelios, is one tip-off. Having survived his fall from a helicopter at the end of Crank, he's now hunting for the heart that's been harvested from his inside by underworld heavies, using electrical shocks to keep his artificial pump going. He continues his rampage across Los Angeles, stopping only to have another bout of very public sex with his girlfriend, Eve. Again, Chev mows down a wide variety of ethnic stereotypes, but at least Crank High Voltage goes about its business, business with a better sense of humor than Taken did. More fun are the absurd digressions and set pieces that Neville Dean and Taylor cram into the proceedings with a flagrant disregard for the usual rules of time, space, and continuity. That's exactly it, though. It's like the the fucking final fight where it's like strippers with machine guns, the gay biker gang, Mm -hmm. like all of... It's just... it. It, like I remember leaning to you and joking, like <clears throat> Infinity War said what? Because yeah. it's just like fucking ridiculous. Greatest crossover ever. It's it's absolutely insane, and it like it's exactly what we said. Like Taken is a really good example of like so I'm this one. I didn't I didn't realize this was out at the same time. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's that whole thing of like mammoths live very close <laughs> to Cleopatra. Things like oh wow they did ex- exist close to each other. Yeah. It but it is that sort of thing of like Taken is a very similar like if you were to boil down like the one sentence plot of both of these movies it's like a man a man hunts for something that he's lost basically yeah. and like we'll we'll get it by any means necessary. But yeah, like Taken has no irony to it and it's all just 
like even honestly is more offensive because it's like let's like demoralize all of these different yeah. groups that we're like painting as the bad guys of the movie where no one really has agency but Liam Neeson yeah. whereas like this movie where at the end you have Bai Ling who oh who is really a superfluous character she's yeah you she serves e- no purpose you could but- easily take her out and the movie still works but at the end she charges in with her friends yeah. shooting everything up it's like yeah. cool yeah it's that character is like it's simultaneously cringeworthy and kind of genius at the same mm-hmm. time and it's also i think it's also part of it is the fact that like except for david carradine playing the really old asian guy every poc in this movie is like actually played by a poc yeah and so like you 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 know that like they're signing on with the goal of like poking fun at mm-hmm. this and of kind of taking this and turning it up to 11 because yeah like Bai Ling's character just like quotes the bodyguard and like speaks in this weird broken subtitled English yep. and is just like I love you Chev Chelios <laughs> and it's it's fucking ridiculous and like you said it's not necessarily important but it still is just kind of it has this self-awareness of how Asian women were treated in that genre where, like, if they even factor into a movie at all, it's like, oh, they're a stripper who can barely speak English and just need a big white man to save them. Offhand, I can't think of any other action movie that fits in the genre mm-hmm. that has that kind of representation. Not really. And, <laughs> like, even the fucking, like, mobster characters, as much as they are very clearly trying to fit in this one particular stereotype, mm-hmm. they still get these weird little moments that are fucking funny. Like, I'm thinking back to the end of the Godzilla fight when Chev finally mm-hmm. gets the cooler that he thinks his real heart is in, and then he opens it up, and we never see what's inside, but it's he go, it's not his heart, and he goes like, like this is what the fuck, you pervert? <laughs> like, this is absolutely disgusting. He says this one line that I really want to make into a reaction gif, where it's just Chev with, like, absolute seriousness on his face being like, I am unbelievably disgusted mm. right now. You should be very ashamed of yourself. But, like... It, that that little turn just turns that character like it in this weird perverted way like makes yeah. him a completely like a more three-dimensional character than like most mm-hmm. like even like fucking t- today you have like shows like Daredevil and all of these sort of things where it's like the it's all cut and dry yeah. and it 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 all, it's all in service of the plot there's no character yeah whereas this one's like character it's it's more character based. It's, in a weird it's way. all heightened character. It's heightened character, and then the plot just kind of comes around naturally around that. And the plot might be super ridiculous, but it still will kind of service like the characters yeah. that are in that particular scene. As the review concludes, tasteless, trashy, and totally over the top, high voltage, and might also be one of the year's most inventive movies. Sometimes nothing exceeds like excess. Exactly. And it is, like, going back to what I said about, like, epic movie and all of those kind of bad parody movies, they never really go anywhere. Like, they no. don't go as far. If It's like, if you are going to parody this thing, go the distance and actually have something to say with it. And, like, try. Try. And... And the thing with the Crank movies is that they try so much. Like, they they try with every moment of the mm-hmm. movie, basically. And the end result is something absolutely, like, unique. Like Neville Dean and Taylor have said, if if 
they do a crank three, they're yeah. gonna take Chev into space. Yes, and they're they're like, we and that need... seems like a natural progression. Yeah, they're like, we need to be able to have it be a progression of crank three is more ridiculous than crank two, the way that crank two was more ridiculous than yeah. crank one. Which I feel like they could pull that off. It would, it would, like, there's enough niche fans around this movie to where they could totally make that work. It's totally one of those cult movies now. It's why you see, like, this in Ghost Rider 2 on IFC. Because IFC, the network, gets it and is like, we know, we get the irony, we're going to air these movies. Yeah, like, it it fits so well. Alright, so do we want to go on to our third review? So this comes from Slant. We've been going to Slant a lot recently. We have been. Uh, they they have a lot to say. <laughs> they do. Review by Nick Shager. 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 Um, he gives it two out of four. Which why not just make it five stars? Because yeah. this seems middle of the road. Like you maybe liked it, but yeah. Um, but this means you know Rotten Tomatoes will automatically count this as negative. Yes. Um, like its predecessor, Crank High Voltage is speedball cinema, a pure narcoticized rush of blistering action, odious stereotypes, and shock-for-shock sake nastiness. Giving the middle figure to the PC police is what the series is founded on, and directors Neville Dean and Taylor certainly attempt to outdo themselves, which, given that the protagonist unequivocally died at the end of the last film, the sequel doesn't have really any business existing in the first place. Nonetheless, as confirmed by its ridiculous tagline, he was dead but he got better, High Voltage takes great pleasure in being nonsensical, which ap- appropriately describes the further exploits of Chev Chelios. That's exactly it, though, is, like, mm-hmm. it, like, the what what they said of, like, the sequel doesn't need to exist anyway. How many fucking action movies are there where it's, like, do we really need a fifth sequel? As of right now, Sylvester Stallone yeah. is working on a new Rambo. Yeah. I thought we were done with this. Yeah. We don't need more. And, like, even going back to Statham, like, how many, like, Transporter movies are there? And how many, like, Hitman movies are there? Like, there's so many of these generic action movies. Triple X is another good example. Like, WWE produces so many of these. (laughs) You can find them at your dollar bin at Walmart right now. Go back to our Scorpion King episode where we talk about WWE producing movies. Um, But, yeah, it... It is that whole thing of this movie wholeheartedly acknowledges that, like, it doesn't need to exist. I, I don't like that logic of the sequel doesn't need to exist. It's yeah. like, there is an audience for it. Yeah. You well, don't I think, have to watch it. I think it. the point is, it's like, not that it doesn't need to exist, but really, like, the narrative was closed enough in the first one, kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not... Going to our whole big discussion from last night about The Walking Dead, there's no need to carry on a storyline in another movie because there's plot threads that you were lazy and left hanging down. The way that Crank ends is this consistent enough way to where if there was no sequel, it would be fine. Exactly. Yeah. So I get that logic from that point of view, but I don't. I, I I agree that I don't like the whole this this doesn't need to be made kind of thing. I think from this from this review, it comes from the perspective of I didn't like the first one, so I we, why do we have this? I guess yeah. Um. Um. So the reviewer goes on to say, "This gimmicky race against time inevitably leads to Chev bashing and smashing as many tattooed minority villains as eighty-five minutes will allow, as well as once again filthily screwing Eve in public before callously discarding her like so much trash." So, can we talk about the sex scene? 
So I, they... I have been billing the sex scene to you <laughs> since we watched Crank 1, because all I've had to say is, like, they have sex in a horse racetrack, and Amy Smart orgasms as a horse penis flies over her face. Yep. That, like, is such a weird sentence, but it's exactly what happens in the yeah. movie. <laughs> it's... I, like, the, I want it to be in the pitch meeting for uh-huh. this, where they're running down... You know, breaking everything scene yeah. down, and it's like I just want to see the studio executive face when they got to that point. It's like, well, because it's like when you look at the first one, it's like, okay, how can we? Again, it's the whole thing of how can we expand upon what we've already done, but also make it even more ridiculous. And it's like, how do you, like, the whole sex scene in the first movie of like we're we're screwing in public while a bunch yeah. of Asian tourists watch us. Yeah. Like, the natural progression almost is the scene in Crank Two. I feel like, I hate to go back to it, uh-huh. but Deadpool 2 could have learned something from this. Yeah. It's like... It's it, like, oh my god, he lost his hand. Oh my god, now he lost his legs. Isn't it funny? We did this before. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm even thinking, like, just going off of, like, sex scenes as a topic. That's why it, almost, like, Deadpool 2 didn't have a sex scene, because it's, mm-hmm. like, the sex montage in the first one, like, it's, like, where do you go from that? Exactly. Like, they they at least had the awareness to be, like, we're not even gonna try well, by fridging our main character, but, Well, I was but, gonna know. say, you can't exactly have a sex scene when you kill off your one lead female character. Yeah. Yeah, you know. You know. You know. But, like, I would, I'm, I don't know, it... I'm a. I admire the way that they just keep outdoing themselves, and like that scene is such a weird culmination of it, and like the it's absolutely buck wild, but it's hilarious. So yeah, each successive scene is so palpably desperate to scandalize an audience eagerly awaiting. Oh no, you didn't material that the opposite holds true with the hallucinatory brawl inside a power plant featuring Chev and his foe transforming into Godzilla style giant monsters in a finale involving a talking decapitated head and Chev defiantly refusing to burn alive proving the only moments that truly take the proceedings into unexpected realms <clears throat> that's yeah. like like the 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 severed head in the Walt Disney tank is such a fun plot twist to me it really is though it's like no no one could call that no uh, and it's such a ridiculous moment because you have this talking decapitated head and even the the, the choice of font having like this robotic yes. font for it and also the only thing he can say is like fuck <laughs> you, you chelios like it it and then having the whole thing end with chev punting the head <laughs> into the water like it's it's like we said like it if, the Godzilla scene and the sex montage and this scene, it's like if you don't get it at those moments, then you don't get this movie. Even like another example that I'm, I should have brought up earlier, but like the when Chev is trying to drive the car and he accidentally stumbles into like the porn star strike. Yeah. With actual porn stars, Ron Jeremy and a bunch of other porn stars just, like, trying to unionize and get better <laughs> wages. Like, it it fits in the world of this movie in such a ridiculous way. This cartoonishness seems, in theory, intended to magnify and thus highlight the sadistic brutality, homophobia, xenophobia, and misogyny familiar to the action genre. Yet, considering the glee which which the directors indulge their ugly impulses, there's ultimately no critique here. Just reverly, meaning that to fully embrace high voltage, one must be honestly amused 
uh, by Bon Mott's like Chev's asking an Asian adversary, did I drop some change or did I hear a chink? Good luck with that. I don't think that there's no critique here. I think that there's, I don't know. It's not, it's not like a critique. It's more of like presenting the tropes in a magnified way yeah. that if you are familiar enough with the action movie genre, yeah. you will get it. Yeah, and even if you're not, like... It's, 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 this is a movie for those people who are tired of the general toxic masculinity action movies. Me. That's exactly it. Because it is, like, all of these ridiculous kind of cringeworthy lines that Chev has where it's like, oh, that's racist, or oh, that's offensive. Yeah. They're, they're poking fun at the movies that deliver that with, like, 100% seriousness. Mm -hmm. Like, it still is just... It, it still has something to say. It's just not this whole big nuanced critique thing that's, like, trying to, like, beat you over the head with what they're trying to say. Yeah. There's just, like, it's there if you look for it kind of thing. Yeah. I like, do, like, di- what? Like, different people will glean different things from it. Yeah. Depending on your level of familiarity and reverence for the action genre exactly i do like that this review calls a calls calls it an r-rated looney tunes yeah statham as the saga's psycho bugs bunny which is true statham has so much plot armor that he will just live no matter what neville dean and taylor throw at the character this is making me think of how the simpsons uses itchy and scratchy yeah like it's very similar itchy and scratchy is like the Tom and Jerry ripoff. Yeah, it's the mirror of that. And it's like, how can we escalate them trying yeah. to kill each it, other? It's not like it's not like talking to the camera and saying, Tom and Jerry are super violent. Instead, it just shows it by being even well, more well, violent than Tom and Jerry I'll will ever go. Even a more Simpsons analog to this is McBain. Yeah. And McBain is that obviously schwarzenegger stand-in uh-huh. where he gets in these ridiculous action movies who has these cheesy one-liners and yeah. everything and it's poking fun of it it has reverence for it but it's still it, parroting it exactly it's it's f- like technically being an entry into the genre i mean while also being a huge magnification of there's it. a whole great bit in a mcbain movie where all the bad guys are sitting around a table having dinner <laughs> And then there's an ice sculpture in the middle of the table and McBain busts out of the ice sculpture (laughs) and shoots everyone. It's like, that's a fucking great moment. And that's what these movies are. It's like, we're going to, it's exactly what you said. It's magnifying what already exists in a genre. And it's not just like telling the audience like, this this element of this genre isn't a good thing or it's a ridiculous thing or whatever. It's showing. It's show, don't tell. Exactly. It's the whole, now that I'm thinking about it, it's showing... All of the tropes of the action genre were at the other end of the spectrum where you have Deadpool saying, oh, you're so dark, you must come from the yeah. DC universe. It's like, you're telling us. Exactly. Show us. That's exactly what it fucking is. Show oh my us. God. Deadpool just tells. It it shows sometimes, but then the action mm. becomes like secondary. It's like, cool, Deadpool just like fought a bunch of ninjas in a, bath, in a bathhouse. I don't care. Like, I would really rather have you show me what's a good, like, what like, you're trying to say. If you want to poke fun at DC, fine. Everyone does that. You're the millionth person to do that. Yeah, Here's you're your not free clever. sub. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, if you're going to make fun of, like, the easy way they could have done that, it's like, give Cable, like, a Batman silhouette to show, or something. Or give some fucking, like, Snyder-esque, like, music cue or something. Yeah. Like, you can do it don't, in a creative way. Don't tell way. us. Yeah. It was just, 
It's so ironic that he has the line lazy writing. But I I still have that soundbite. I still could just use that every fucking time we mention it because it's it is. It's <clears throat> telling and not showing. And these movies are a good example of showing. Yes. Through the absolute weirdest possible situations, they kind of illustrate like here's what we're trying to All say. Oh, while doing this on probably a fraction of the budget that exactly. like Deadpool 1 or like Taken has. I'm going to see what the budget is cuz I am very I feel like I know it but I'm very curious what it is. The budget was 20 million and the box office I mean, was 34.6 million. I just love the choice of when they're doing transitions from one location to the next. Uh-huh. They just use Google Maps. They I don't, love that they so don't, much. They don't and it, the fact that they leave in the Google logo on there is it, fucking fantastic. It's absolutely, like, it's such a small, subtle little choice, but it also is such, it, it dates the movie in such a genuinely yeah. good way. <clears throat> and if if you see that and it's like, wow, that's stupid, that's obviously because of low budget. It's like, well, yes, but it's also, also clever. clever. It's like, here's how, if Chev Chelios knew how to use the internet, here's how he would get around. Yeah. it's That's exactly what it is. So... Like I said, Crank 2's budget was $20 million. Deadpool 2's budget is $110 million. Well, there you go. Yeah, that's exactly what it <clears> fucking <throat> is. It's like, like even Deadpool 1, Deadpool 1 budget $58 million. So you could have made two cranks high voltage <laughs> for the price of Deadpool. And even then, the first Deadpool really Granted, illustrates... probably a chunk of that budget went to paychecks. Yeah. But still, it's... Like, look the... What... the the fact now that I didn't realize that that like they doubled their budget, I that makes me mad. And in the a whole way. point of it was uh, Miller, yeah, left because he wanted their bigger budget, and yeah. everyone else was like, "No, we want the small one to keep the charm of it." Yeah, and instead they double the budget, and it's just so <clears throat> stupid. <sighs> yeah, it's just I I like these movies that are creative and are actually using filmmaking to their best advantage kind of and i feel like the crank movies are my favorite example of doing that in the action realm of like every you can tell kind of to almost a ridiculous point that like every cent of the budget in this movie went to good use yeah even if it's the fucking ridiculousness i think if i remember correctly there's one sequence in either crank one or crank two where they basically like through a camera from a helicopter just to see like i think it's the yeah. scene where chev dies like they yeah. literally just like threw a camera down and like broke it to fucking pieces just because they knew like it would be a more authentic shot i'm think i just i just remembered another great moment that people probably missed so at the end of the first one there's this really sweet moment where chev is leaving a message for eve oh, yeah. and it's this really sweet and it's like sorry babe blah blah uh-huh. blah and then we go to the next one. He meets up with Eve again. It's like, didn't you get my voice message? And then it cuts to the voice message. And it's just air yeah. and wind blowing because he's fucking falling. And it's like, of course I it would just be that. that. That's fucking it's genius. such a great, smart, clever moment. It's so fucking genius. Where it's like, where they, the one time they inject reality into yeah. it is fucking hilarious. Like all the little moments where they do acknowledge the absolute, like, <clears throat> this is how this would actually play out mm-hmm. but then at the same time they it's use like, it in the right way yeah they they use it there and then in other moments they just like get into this weird magical realism of like godzilla fights yeah and it works even the 
the over-the-top newscasters, like, yeah. we don't know what the fuck is going on. There's a big shootout. I don't know. <laughs> and then, like, the, the old lady they interview, and they, she starts swearing, and they're like, well, you can't say that on TV, ma'am. And then she just progressively starts swearing mm-hmm. more. Like, that just kind of stuff... It, it's exactly what I said was sorry to bother you. It's like using magical realism in the right ways and then also keeping things really authentically real in other instances. Because you have other movies that try to do this where they just take the one character where where Chev would be the only character who's turned up to 11 and everyone else is at the regular baseline. Yeah. But everyone in this universe is to, up to 11. Like everyone has a thing. And granted, it's a ridiculous thing, but it's still a thing. Yeah. Like, it works on so many levels in a way that I think other movies have tried, and they don't succeed in such a genuine way. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's because they're they're trying to straddle the fence of being a serious action movie while also kind of injecting comedy or irony into it. Whereas this one is just all irony. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, the, like, I'm on the Wikipedia page. Look at the fucking poster. Like, I told you, the scene where he, like, he asks the guy, to, he crashes his car, and then there, and this car jump? pulls up around him, and he goes, can I get a jump? And the guy, like, looks at him like, why would I jump your car? That's clearly smashed. Totaled, yeah. And then he just, like, pins one thing to his nipple and the other one to his mouth and just, like, electrocutes himself. Mm-hmm. And that's the poster. Yep. It's, like, absolutely insane, but it's with this sense of irony and humor. Yeah. If you haven't seen this already, go fucking see it. It's very easy to watch this movie. If I remember correctly, <clears throat> it's on Hulu according to Google. So if you're if you're a Hulu subscriber, each each movie is only 90 minutes. Yeah. It's it's very very easy to like get through these movies and to thoroughly enjoy them the way that you should. I I recommend <laughs> if you watch one. Uh-huh leave a day in between let yes. it let, let it, it sit. sit yeah so i just found another review i wish i would have found through rotten tomatoes from <clears> the guardian <throat> it says is crank high voltage the most offensive film in recent memory crank high voltage and observe and report are spearheading an unfortunate new cinema trend to offend rather than entertain but see i would rather this joke offensive than like the actual offensive of real movies yeah of, like, we're going to play right into the tropes and not even acknowledge that we're playing into the tropes kind of thing. This instead is just, it's, like... Because it's a low effort. It's yeah. like, we're just going to go for it. This yeah. one's just high effort with everything. Yeah. And it, it's absolutely You would ridiculous. think, like, this movie had no thought put into it, but, but there, there is actually a surprising is... amount of thought. And it's it's stunning, honestly. Yeah. Because that's, that's what I admire about it. I admire people that use film to its fullest advantage and yep. don't just take the easy pathways out. Mm-hmm. And, like, you look at all of the movies we've been positive about about the past year, like, A Star is Born, Sorry to Bother You, like, just the movies that are willing to, like, even, like, Black Panther. It's, like, things that take the genre that they're existing in, but they do different things within it. Yeah. And they turn it into something more. It's, like, I admire that more than, like, any generic popcorn fare that is going to come out. Exactly. Yeah. So, I know we did our... Like, our last segment with Crank, like, with the first episode, but do we want to, like, revisit it now? We can. Okay. So, for the uninitiated, we like to, as our final segment, kind of fan cast the directors of a movie and the main actors of the movie into a comic book movie, if they aren't already in one. Or if they are in one, we still find another role for them, because people can play 
multiple roles. Josh Brolin <laughs> like just stumbles into a comic book movie every time he goes outside. So for Statham, I there's like so many roles I could see Statham working as honestly but it depends on whether they want to use him seriously or like because ironically he has a surprising range to him like yeah. he can also like be in this and yeah spy with melissa yeah i want to cover spy at some point on the podcast because i fucking love that mm-hmm. movie and jason statham's role in that movie is inspired like they use him in the perfect fucking way and it's paul <laughs> feig it's paul feig knowing yep. how to use actors to their strengths yeah and he's absolutely amazing in that movie and i don't know like i could still see him as like taskmaster or like any of those kind of like overly macho roles but i don't know there's so much range for him i know people were even before ewan mcgregor was cast people were fan casting him for black mask and i was like i could totally see that like it, it could work on so many different levels like, if he was a Flash rogue, or... So, I oh don't God. know. Yes! I remember that from our first episode. Him, it's like, totally true. Mirror Master. Or, like, even, like, him as Captain Cold would yeah. be really good. I'm just thinking Mirror Master, because just give him the Coke addiction. Do that <laughs> version <laughs> of the character. Yeah. Like, even if I look up, like, Jason Statham fan cast, it's, like, Dead Man, and it's... Like, a lot of Black Mask fan cast, way yeah. before there was <laughs> even a possibility of him being in a movie... It's like there's so many options and they all could totally work. Someone wants him to play Hush. I would be down for that. Kite Man. Oh, God. See, just, but Charlie Day is my I Kite know, Man. But just I'm just imagining in my head uh, Jason Satham just shouting, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Make him Snowflame. Snowflame. You would, you would trust him to fulfill your favorite <laughs> character, Snowflame. Yeah. yeah. There's so many options and I feel like... Like, like you said, these movies kind of illustrate that he has a surprisingly big range. Mm-hmm. It's just that he gets squandered more often than not in, like, yeah. a lot of the movies. He gets typecast. Yeah. For Neville Dean and Taylor... Deadpool. But see, I think I they're, they're too good for Deadpool. I know. They're way too good for Deadpool, I think. Lobo. <sighs> yeah. That would really work. Like, I remember telling you when we were watching Crank 2, I was like, imagine if... Neville Dean and Taylor did one episode of The Punisher Show. Like, imagine how buck wild that would be. The action would be insane. It would be inventive. Yeah. Because I feel... Granted, I haven't haven't watched The Punisher Show. But I know a lot of it, the action is just gory and over the top. And afterwards, it's like, you want to take a shower. Well, and I'm thinking of, like, as someone who is, like, reading and reviewing the current Punisher run, they use action sequences in kind of an inspired way that feels weirdly reminiscent of Neville Dean and Taylor but like in a more serious way but it still is that level of like Frank will do anything necessary to get out of a situation and there's like a moment in either Crank 1 or Crank 2 where Chev Chelios takes a guy's severed hand that still has a gun attached to it and then uses that gun to shoot the guy whose hand he just cut off it's like that feels like a Frank Castle thing yeah like there's like you said like Lobo Punisher any of these like macho ridiculous characters who could totally work from a different level yeah where they could add another layer of irony to it even like i would be willing to see like what would their batman movie be god like 
just do a movie of like Escape from Arkham or something. Like just do some sort of Gotham set movie and just yeah. give them all like this sandbox to just kind of go wild. In. Give them all the B D list rogues gallery. It would be so fun. They would use that to their fullest advantage. Mm. Fuck. They could do like Suicide Squad. Like yeah. imagine what their Suicide Squad. Would it would be. be insane. It would. It would be absolutely ridiculous, but it would like, work give on them, a lot of levels. Yeah, give them like. 40 million. Yeah. Here's Suicide Squad. Go buck wild. Put King Shark in your movie yeah. and just go from there. Like, they, that would be really interesting to see. Because, again, it's using that action and it's using that, like, kind of not underdog sort of thing, but, like, the kind of underworld of a particular yeah. city and, like, using it to their advantage. Yeah. I need that. There's so many options for them. It's yeah. honestly ridiculous. They have range. They're, it's... It's they just like impressive. they're they're comfortable where they're at. Yeah, like I know they don't want to like re-enter the superhero world anytime soon, but I would be really on board to see yeah. whatever the hell they would do. Like mm-hmm. it would be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, I think that's it for our discussion on Crank. Um, do we want to tack on our little thing before we get to plugs? Plugs will or come plugs. after yeah. well it's all kind of plug encompassing yes it is so you so can pretty is... soon you can start giving us money <laughs> <laughs> that's one way of wording it what um, i mean is we will uh, be opening a red bubble store yes we will so it will be my my goal is to have like a couple of different designs by the time like the holiday shopping season rolls around so that if anyone feels inclined to buy our incredibly specific shirts and wants to get in on like Redbubble sales because Redbubble does a lot of sales especially around the holidays so my goal is to kind of have a couple of designs up there by then but by the time you're listening to this we will have that site up so you can like subscribe to it or bookmark it or do whatever and check it out regularly share it. We'll tweet it as we put yeah. out new designs anyway. It's not going to be like a constant upload, but it'll just be like as we think of designs that we think would be fun. We have a whole list of things that we're going to uh, progressively add to it, but we're not going to have a big launch of here's 20 designs. Yeah, because that would be too much. But and then yeah. that's the Redbubble thing. Yes. So for episode 50, we kind of have an idea First off, this is partially influenced by the fact that, like, we want to put out more episodes a lot more frequently, so and we want y- to be you, able to have stuff to talk so about. So you might have noted, like, there are weeks where we don't put out an episode. That's because it takes time to watch a movie and then to podcast about it. And it we, takes time only... to, like, find a movie that is relevant to the social zeitgeist of the week. Like, we don't necessarily have the time or the ability to, like, go to the movie theater and see whatever the number one movie is every week. Because that also costs money. Yeah, exactly. So sometimes that, that results in our more, like, creative episodes where it's just whatever the fuck we find on streaming. So to fill but... in those weeks where we don't talk about a movie, we're expanding the tomato brand. We are not <laughs> no longer just a podcast about movies. We are now... A podcast about movies and sometimes TV. Yes. So we're we're willing to talk about TV because either way, even if we don't watch a movie a week, we're still watching TV. So because yeah, we, we we talk about TV a lot off mic anyway, so and we if, talk about it on mic too. We compare a lot of movies yeah. to like things that are going on in TV. So, so from this point forward, we're gonna have a lot of 
TV-centric episodes. Well, not a lot. It's just going to be a mixture. And it's going to, <laughs> like, by expanding that out, and part of it is, is, like, we wouldn't be doing this if Rotten Tomatoes wasn't so TV-heavy as well. Because yeah. they, it's a similar sort of metric. They, like, they aggregate also, all the reviews yeah. and they still give things fresher, rotten things. And so we still have the structure of our podcast just within the TV realm. So you'll see us in the future do, like, retrospectives on entire series and where we break yeah. down seasons yeah tomato meters or but so it just it just gives it an opportunity us an opportunity to talk about the things that people are talking about and to, and to talk put about out the more things. episodes yeah and to talk about what we already are having hour-long discussions about but be able to turn it into something that you guys can listen to and enjoy it's just we we didn't want to limit ourselves to movies and we wanted to be able to branch out as we need to here and there yeah we already consume a lot of tv you by nature of your work yeah and I'm just here. Yeah. Like, especially now that we're in, like, the the middle of, like, TV season. Like, you can already, like, if you watch all the CW DC shows, you know we're going to do an Elseworlds episode. Yeah. We're going to be, like, this will give us the opportunity to kind of, like, look at different things through the through the lens of Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. but also just using that as a jumping jumping off point to, like, talk about what we like in TV. And, like, Netflix is always uploading new shows. Like, <laughs> Sabrina and Daredevil just came out. Yeah, so we're going to um, definitely do episodes on those once we are able to get through them. So it's just, it's giving us an opportunity to kind of, like, expand, expand but still... and keep our brand, but still, like, talk about what we want to talk about and not feel limited by, like, oh, we only have to talk about movies. Yeah, because so much of this overlaps anyways when you have streaming services like Netflix or Amazon where there's TV and yeah. movies. Well, and like even <clears throat> our Tomato Harvest episodes, like now we can talk about big news items and big problems that are happening in the TV genre and still use that to talk about movies as well that might like fall into the same tropes yeah. or have the same sort of problems. It's one big entertainment ecosystem that overlaps that yeah. it... You can't, there are a lot of topics where you can't just talk about one without the other. Exactly, yeah. So I th we think that it is the kind of a natural progression of what we want to do with this podcast and it doesn't really limit us and it hopefully will make it to where we can consistently put out more episodes so that we are able, because we'll have no shortage of something to talk about. And you'll see them, you'll see the TV episodes labeled as TV ones in your feed. It's not a whole new feed, it's still within this feed. Yeah. Because we didn't want to, like, make it confusing or branch off. Because if we were to do a TV podcast, it would, like, a separate feed for it. It would kind of be, like, starting from ground zero, sort of. So you'll just see the TV episodes peppered in yes. to this yeah. feed. So we're excited about it. We're, I, I genuinely think there's a lot of potential with us being able to do that. So it'll be interesting to kind of see, like, how that goes. I'm excited about the opportunity to just, like talk like, about tv like i'm sure like by the end of like titans we yeah. could do a retrospective on that yeah. or something or like even brooklyn 99 we've <laughs> yeah been which watching we've that. been watching that for like the past month and like 
that like like we said like there's a lot of potential with different episodes and i think it's kind of exciting part of it is also like there's so much prestige tv that's coming out or is going to come out when you look at like Watchmen and like the witcher and like we were just talking about homecoming yeah like some s new show yeah there's so many options for stuff and so this will give us an opportunity to kind of share our thoughts on it and how that particular thing is being reviewed it's a whole thing of accessibility too not everyone who listens to this podcast is out watching that new movie released from yeah. that week or but they the might Netflix. follow the show that we're yeah. going to talk about so yeah so we're excited about this we think that it's a good thing we're we using, hope that it will yeah. be a good thing we're using episode 50 as a not a relaunch but like a restructuring of sorts yeah but a natural one like it's yeah. not going to be this big it's an change. expansion yeah it 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 makes sense for us and it makes sense for this show and we're excited about like being able to put out more episodes and have them be kind of following our brand so because it's stuff we already talk about anyways off mic so we may as well just record it we literally spent an hour and a half complaining about the walking dead last night yep so like we expect a lot of episodes about like those big events in tv as we kind of have them come about you could probably expect a holiday episode about our favorite holiday tv god let's not let's not like hold ourselves to that yet we'll just see but yeah so that's our big news for episode 50 if you have been listening this far in the episode thank you i genuinely appreciate that you've been listening this far um thank you for subscribing and like following us on social media and all of that if you feel so inclined to do something nice for us just leave us a review on itunes like it's that, just that easy. It helps so much. We genuinely appreciate the reviews that we get. Yeah, so I think like iTunes algorithm. If you add more reviews, it, it gets more. It helps yeah. a little bit. So it would we would genuinely appreciate that. I would say that's like the big takeaway from like plugs and stuff. Yeah, we're just, on Twitter at Tomato Tomato Pod. We're individually on Twitter at the Chris Vito. And hey, it's Jenna Lynn. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's basically Those are all it my for plugs. plugs. Yep. So, yeah, so I think that's it yep. for this episode. We now have to restructure our outro, too. <laughs> keep watching movies. And sometimes TV. But no, for this episode, just keep watching movies. Except. Bright. Bye.